0: This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Chief Mark Bashoor.
1: Today on Side Alpha Podcast, we're talking with a good friend and researcher, Keith Sticks. A tremendous amount of activity has been occurring in the research world, and as a returning Side Alpha Podcast guest, Keith will share a bit of that with us. Keith is a fire protection engineer with UL's Fire Safety Research Institute. He holds a Bachelor's of Science degree and a Master's of Engineering degree in Fire Protection Engineering from the University of Maryland. Keith currently serves as a Battalion Chief with the Bethesda Chevy Chase Rescue Squad in Bethesda, Maryland. Keith also serves on the NFPA Technical Committee for Fire Service Training and serves on our very own Editorial Advisory Board here at Fire Rescue One and FireChief.com. Keith, thanks for taking time to join us today. Now, most of our listeners probably know the Institute uh, by a slightly different name, and that used to be the UL Firefighter Safety Research Institute. And it wasn't just a minor adjustment to shorten a name. It was a deliberate change to show the organization's expanded focus. So, recognizing that the organization recently did change its name it, part of that strategic thought process. Can you share a bit about how and why the change came about? Sure, Chief,
0: and good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for having me on today. Uh, so the Firefighter Safety Research Institute was really founded for the purpose of increasing firefighter knowledge. Obviously, the ultimate goal there being reducing injuries and deaths, not only for the fire service, uh, but also their communities. So traditionally, we focused on fire dynamics, uh fire strategies and tactics in various types of buildings you know residential commercial and industrial and we've done this through full-scale testing field testing uh, bench scale modeling and then obviously getting the information out to the fire service and throughout this entire process you know we've come up with a lot of findings and insights that really have been seen to have value not just inside the fire service, but as well as other areas uh, within the fire safety community. So, lo- long story short, we're now uh, we're now asked to do a lot more with a lot of uh, new folks.
1: Yeah. So basically, uh, expanding into that entire uh, dynamic, and I mean, it. I just want to make sure uh, you know a lot of folks that knew FSRI's uh, focus has there been any change or is it is it really just a name change and their primary focus is, is still where it was? Safe to say it's still firefighter safety and research, you know, one way or the other.
0: Correct. Yeah. So, a little bit of uh, uh, expansion on that. You know, our partnership with the fire service is always going to be at the core of our work. Uh, one thing we like to talk about is that all fire safety problems eventually become a fire service problem. Uh, you know, so we plan to grow our collaboration and address the, uh, the new hazards that the fire service and everyone in fire safety are going to face. Uh, you know, so we're going to expand this model in collaboration, you know, over many, many years of partnership with various, uh, organizations and entities, you know, which will now include fire investigators, fire safety engineers, uh, academia, government, industry, uh, safety educators, and then obviously the public. Uh, so, you know, we explain, uh, Sorry, we plan to address, you know, in long story short, the world's unresolved fire safety risks. So, mm-hmm. not just yeah. firefighter related, but all fire safety related.
1: Yeah, and I think that sounds like really the key is that while folks may have, been, may, may have thought in the past that it was purely about firefighters, um, that, you know, firefighters are the core that makes a lot of the problem uh, go away by their actions. But really, your research is just expanding to cover the entire envelope uh, that includes firefighter safety and, you know, the whole prevention piece. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, I really want to talk about some of the current and ongoing research. Uh, but before we dive into that, can you share a bit more about uh, FSRI, um, you know, who's involved and how, frankly, it's uh, FSRI has come to, to be one of the top research organizations in the fire service?
0: Sure. So uh, I guess I guess we'll start with a little bit of who we are. Uh, so for the current makeup of the group, uh, we have a mix of research staff uh, that are made up of a variety of different types of uh, engineers, uh, whether that be mechanical or fire protection. Uh, we've also started to get into other areas, uh, looking at materials and looking at the chemistry behind fire. Uh, so we've broadened the backgrounds of folks that are here uh, to start looking into that area including things like firefighter health and safety uh, exposures along those lines, and then getting into the wildland arena. The Mm -hmm. other kind of unsung piece to this is the amplification team that goes along with us. So that is made up of a group of folks that really help us, uh, as corny as it may sound, take the science to the streets because, you know, we need to be able to translate the research and the data and all of the findings to these various stakeholder groups, whether it be the fire service, or whether it be, uh, you know, different fire safety engineers, or academia, or the public itself,
1: as far as public safety campaigns. So, who is this amplification team? Not uh, not by but, name, but I mean, what? Who are the people?
0: Yep. So they they're on our staff here. They're within uh, within FSRI itself, and that's a makeup of folks that are in marketing, uh, that are in videography. Uh, that do instructional design to help take the stuff uh, and put it into uh, educational courses, uh, and really kind of run the gamut of of any facet that you could have that helps get the information to its end
1: user. Okay, so using the whole organization to deliver to the street uh, makes sense, definitely. So, we uh, you know mentioned before, a lot of uh, research has been underway. Tremendous amount of research has been underway uh, that the fire service should. Uh, in general, hope to learn from. Uh, and I'm pretty sure you've got several ongoing projects focused on training fires and whatnot. Could you share a little bit about some of those projects?
0: Sure, so specifically talking about training fires, uh, that has always been kind of a, uh, an underlying topic that needs to be updated and further understood as we go along understanding the actual fire ground knowing that the the training needs to evolve uh right along with that and uh you know we've traditionally focused on looking at different types of training fuels and how those may impact the thermal environment uh, which is really hitting to are we creating realistic live fire conditions obviously while maintaining the safety and and uh, minimizing the exposure that goes along with that but are we creating realistic fire conditions that are able to to prepare the firefighters for that so Mm -hmm. we've tried to take it a step further now and we have a pretty good understanding of the thermal environment that you can get using training fuels and what's allowable by you know the nfpa 1403 standard and whatnot but it's trying to take it further and look into what the exposures might be and when we talk about exposures, it's not necessarily thermal in this arena. It's looking at the uh, the cancer risk or the carcinogenic exposure uh, from what these different training environments might produce. So, of uh, course, taking a step beyond the variety of training fuels that you might use and also we're looking at different types of training structures and then putting those pieces together and really trying to come up with some good takeaways of, you know, what is the best way to utilize a given type of structure with a given type of fuel while at the same time minimizing that exposure to not only the student but the instructor because we know that the instructor obviously could potentially have a lot higher exposure uh, due to the fact that they're they're performing these evolutions with repetition you know so it's Mm -hmm. to try and get some information out there about minimizing exposure and Put some bounds around training as far as uh, you know what needs to be performed uh, with live fire that is interactive uh, versus potentially just an observation, and what would be your learning takeaways from each to try and uh, really help the fire service get an idea of what the best way to use a given prop
1: and fuel is for their their desired outcome. So ultimately, the, the focus trying to get more realistic training with realistic thermal environments, coupling that with reductions in carcinogenic exposure. I mean, that's ultimately what you're talking about.
0: Yep, you got it. And really, it's, uh, are we using the training structures in the way that they should be used, or are there better ways to use them to get across certain points
1: and then further reduce their exposure risk? Good. So, there's also a search and size up project. I suspect that's one that uh, our listeners will be keenly interested in. Uh, Can you provide a high-level overview of what that project hopes to accomplish?
0: Sure. So the search and size up project that was uh, started a little bit over a year ago now, and that is uh, really focused on fire ground size up in terms of what you'd be able to digest upon arrival at a different incident scene based on what the building and fire is showing you. Uh, So a lot of these things are out there and in training manuals, but we're now trying to couple our experiments with that to show based on where the fire is located in a given structure and what the ventilation profile is and uh what's your time of arrival in that incident is what could be your takeaways that then tie into search so not just overall size up but what is the building telling me about potentially where there may be searchable space and we talk about searchable knowing that survivability is something that's very difficult uh to try and uh, get a grasp on from the exterior knowing that the uh variety of facets that go into what could affect one person over another uh it's really more about can we as the fire service occupy a given space to be able to search that uh and what size up cues can help guide that so that's that's part one of the project Mm -hmm. then further into those experiments we talk about uh search and rescue itself so decoupling those it's taking a look at search traditionally we've focused again on suppression and ventilation and how are those best paired together obviously with the best interest of any potentially trapped occupants that might be in the building but now we start taking a look at search and say all right what is the best method to search you know what is what are the bounds around ves based on what the size up that you perform is showing you where may you have occupants where is the best place to enter a structure based on where the fire is located uh, and then, you know, what, what is your best means to get through that structure uh, in conjunction with the suppression and ventilation operations that are ongoing uh, to give those victims the best chance of survival? So, that's part two.
1: And then part let, three. Let, let, let me ask you on that before yep. we go to part three. So, how, you know, recognizing that there's so many different variables to buildings, how are you accounting for that in the research or are there multiple venues that you're using is this is this laboratory based warehouse based or is this field based uh where you're going out into actual structures to work on this this particular research
0: sure so i'll hit it a couple different ways uh we'll start with the structures themselves so uh these structures are built on the grounds of uh the delaware county emergency services training center that is uh one of our one of our field sites that we uh conduct a lot of the research Uh, but these structures are the most realistic structures we've used to date. So we're working or have worked with a uh, local contracting company, basically, and sent them the plans and uh, had these structures built out in the open, in the environment, uh, on a parking lot, if you will. Uh, And they're the most realistic ones to date in the sense that there is no additional fire protection in these structures whatsoever. Uh, The structures are built Uh, both with real windows, the walls are insulated, uh, there's electric run through the house, uh, basically everything but plumbing, um, Hmm. including fully functional air conditioning and heating systems uh, to really try and hone in on the realism of what we're doing and how it may impact potential victims. Uh, So again, for the purpose of this study at this time, we know that we're just getting into search, much like how we had multiple ventilation studies uh, will likely have multiple search studies. This is focused on the single-story residential environment. Okay. So, it's getting our foundation around that, and then knowing we need to look at different structure types, and then also, obviously, multi-level uh, residentials.
1: Okay. So, then you were going to step three I before I rudely interrupted you.
0: No, no, no. All good. So, uh, step three would be rescue. So, here's where the fire service can have a, a large impact on the ultimate survivability of anybody that might be inside. You know, it's trying to get a, an idea around once you find a victim, what do we do with them? You yeah. know, do, we, do we leave them in place and isolate? Do we remove them the way we came based on how close in proximity that might be to the entry point or potentially to where the fire is? You know, are you going to have to proceed through a flow path to get out uh, you know, or do we isolate wherever they are and then remove them out, a, a egress point local to that? So say you're at a, a, a bedroom in a single family home and maybe we find the person in there, we close the door to the hall, we ventilate the window to the exterior and call for a ladder or get them out, you know, the window, or maybe we break the window and leave them in place and continue on with what we're doing. It's to try and get an understanding around what their exposure is going to be based on how we choose to remove them or not.
1: Sure. That's yeah, good stuff. I mean, you, you know, when you think about it, that's the first thing a firefighter wants to do, right? They find somebody, got to get them out. And Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes maybe that's not the right thing to do right away. Uh, that that's uh, that's some great research. That might be difficult for people to uh, to wrap their hands around, but I appreciate you taking that on because uh, I'll be real interested to follow that and see where see where that goes. So you know, we couldn't do a podcast in 2021 or any time without asking how COVID has impacted you. So I know that, um, you know, COVID has impacted everything that I know of as far as, um, you know, attendance at events and meetings, and it it has to have impacted research as well. So really, that's the question. How has your team adapted uh, in, you know, in this crazy time to keep the research going and keep it alive?
0: Sure. So it, it it definitely affected us. Uh, and I would say that it was both a blessing and a curse, if you will. Sure. Uh, so as that started to unfold last year uh, and everything closed down and everyone was working remote and all of the experimentation and travel stopped, uh, it really gave us a chance to get caught up on a lot of the things that are on everybody's plates uh, sure. and get a lot of the research up to that point. Um, over the finish line, if you will. So getting all the reports completed, uh, getting online courses pushed further along and, uh, and getting up to a point where it's a little bit more manageable uh, in terms of where we are. And then about the summer time frame of last year, around the July mark, uh, we through, uh, through UL uh, created what was called a, um, a Stay Smart uh, Playbook Uh, which was an internal document that basically outlined all of the procedures that we would have in place uh, to be able to conduct field research or field experimentation uh, safely. And so working through the approval process with that and going back and forth with edits and changes and uh, local approvals where we would be doing the testing uh, over the course of about one to two months, uh, we brought that to fruition. Uh, And about the middle of July last year, Uh, The first group of us uh, traveled to that location just outside of Philadelphia, and uh, we worked there basically from, uh, I would say, the middle of July uh, till the middle of December, uh, Mm. on and off uh, with a little bit of time home in between, Um, and we were able to get a whole lot done in that period of time. Um, It was obviously trying for everybody involved. It was a lot of time with one another. Uh, and knowing that everything else was closed down, uh, you know, where we conducted the experiments on the site of this training academy, we had our breakfast there, we had our lunch there, we had our dinner there. Uh, you know, so they were they were long days. Uh, everybody got through it. But over that course of six months, we were able to complete all of the experiments for the search and size up project. We were actually able to to layer four to five other projects on top of those. So an example of that being, if we were to conduct an experiment and look at the search and rescue project um, deliverables for that, you know, while the fire was going on, we were studying what was going on with search and how a victim might be removed. And then, you know, as we talked about earlier, our expansion into other stakeholder groups, we have a variety of other projects that are taking a look at what exposures would be like to fire investigators. So for example, fire investigator shows up to a scene Either immediately post-suppression or potentially comes back, you know, one, three, five, potentially longer days later uh, to dig through the scene and, and work on origin and cause. Uh, so, what would be the exposure to them if they're to stir up what's inside that structure? We were able to use the experiments we performed for the search project to layer these other components into, and we left the structures sit for several days, and then we would go in for post-monitoring. Uh, at different time points thereafter, and we were able to work, you know, these experiments basically served multi-purpose for multi-projects. We also looked at other things like uh, water runoff. So this is a particular concern in the wildland arena, but if you complete suppression, uh, we know that it's not fresh water running out of the building once you're done. Uh, So what what does that look like? What what makes it into the water, and how potentially may that impact things uh, down the line. So, you know, long story short, COVID, uh, COVID was a blessing and a curse. We uh, we had a lot of long days together, uh, but at the same time, we got a lot accomplished.
1: Yeah, no, it sounds like it. And you know, you don't think about things as simple as uh, eating lunch, and you know, having meals while you're in the middle of something like that. Something that may have been a, a routine thing before COVID, when everything shut down and you don't have those services available. It just, uh, it, it really drives home the difficulty of even doing something like this. So um, I, certainly, I certainly appreciate that. Any other uh, projects or any final words uh, about the newly branded our safety research institute?
0: I guess the biggest thing to there uh, would be to stay tuned. Uh, we're gonna be doing a lot more. We're gonna be expanding into a variety of different areas. Uh, we're looking to grow both uh, the team Uh, the talent that comes with that, and then also expanding our physical footprint. So sometime within the next, you know, several years or so, we're looking to include uh, more laboratory spaces for us to be able to conduct experiments. And that's not just large scale, that's small scale also. So anything from looking at the materials uh, that are involved in fire, you know, all the way up to full size structures, uh, different workshop spaces, educational spaces to potentially host different courses. Uh, or classes surrounding the material, get the stakeholder groups together. Uh, And then obviously getting into our new research areas with the wildland-urban interface, uh, we know what a drastic impact that has on basically the entire western half of the country. Uh, It's a very untouched area as far as research goes. So uh, a lot to come and uh, a lot of growth and expansion to go along with that.
1: Well, uh, and our listeners can go to fsri.org. That's fsri.org to read more, see more, uh, listen, see the videos, uh, and I suspect they can connect with you guys on there uh, just by clicking on the uh, what, what looks like a connect button on the uh, on the page as I look at it right now. So that's fsri.org. So we've been talking with Keith Stakes from UL's Fire Safety Research Institute. Uh, we talked about the expansion in focus from what was the Firefighter Research Institute to now the Fire Safety Research Institute. We've talked about the expansion in focus to include engineers, investigations, uh, the academic world, um, and ultimately the public, where before the focus was pretty um, I wouldn't say narrow, but it was narrower on on firefighter. Now it's expanding. And that's we talked a little bit about that. Uh, then Keith talked about, uh, and the, the takeaway as far as a statement that I took here was that all fire safety problems eventually become a fire service problem. And that's important for our people to understand that, uh, you know, when they're out there and they're seeing these things and they see new stuff come out and they go to the ESRI.org site and they see all the different research, just recognize that there's a problem somewhere they're trying to solve, uh, and ultimately, whether they solve it first or the folks see it on the street, it's a fire service problem that we're going to need to deal with. So, uh, good stuff dealing with uh, dealing with that. And then we talked about the uh, talked a little bit about training and how uh, one of the projects they're working on uh, with training fires uh, is looking at uh, the where they have traditionally looked at training fuels that was the traditional focus. Now they've gone a little farther and they're looking in to how uh, to minimize the carcinogenic exposure. So they were looking at training fuels and the thermal environment in that whole research and now they've added the uh, minimization of carcinogenic exposure. Uh, so really getting realistic training and thermal environments together and figuring out how uh, they can reduce or minimize that carcinogenic exposure. It's certainly important to all of us. Then we talked about the three focuses of the uh, search and size-up project. First was size-up, uh, and second was search, and then the third was rescue. And a couple quick takeaways from that uh, at the Delaware County, Pennsylvania uh, training site, where they're they've built these one-story buildings to do this uh, this uh, research. Uh, they've come up with uh, a size-up size-up uh, size cues basically to help guide the search, and then after the search, they've talked about the rescue and the victim disposition. And, you know, maybe uh, something that a lot of folks probably haven't thought about, and we talked about this during the podcast, that maybe leaving the victim in place is the thing to do, depending on the environment. That's a decision that firefighters got to make. And I know that most firefighters, they find a victim and the first thing they want to do is pick them up and take them outside. Well, maybe that's not the right thing to do right away. So great research going on to see that. uh, And then ultimately uh, getting folks to get to uh, FSRI.org to View the research, view more about the uh, Fire Safety Research Institute. Uh, it's uh, what we're encouraging folks to do today. So I want to thank uh, Keith for being with us today, and thanks to our listeners for hanging in there. This is Mark Bayshore, Executive Editor for FireRescue1.com and FireChief.com. Have a great day on purpose. Stay smart, keep safe, and take care.